And I've been asking the Lord over the last number of weeks, okay, so Lord, what is it that you want to say to us this morning as we're gathered here? And as I've been praying and just kind of trying to stay attentive to that, a few weeks ago I was um, reading through some material by Pete Scazzaro, who is a pastor and also has a ministry called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And I saw these two sentences. What you do matters. Who you are matters more. And when I read it, it was one of those times where, you know, when you, you just read something, you're like, oh, okay, that was for me. That really stuck out to me. And then as time went on, I felt like the Lord was saying, that's also for us gathered here. So it's something he's been highlighting in my life, but I believe that it's something that he wants to speak to us together as a faith community as well. And so I just, um, before we go any further, I just want to pray and just ask the Lord just to open our hearts and our minds to what he wants to say to us today. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to be here today, to be with you, and to be together. It's just such a gift, Lord. And, and God, as we um, have been worshiping this morning, God, you've been just speaking so much and stirring so much. And we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to continue to speak to us. God, I pray that any distractions that we have that's keeping us from hearing you, God, that you would remove those in your mercy for us. God, you would open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears to be attentive to what it is that you want to put in us so that we can live in more transformation, God. We just look to you, Lord. Amen. So I invite you to um, look at Luke 10, verses 38 through 42, this story of Jesus visiting Martha and Mary. Um, there is a Bible in the rack in front of you if you'd like to use um, a book or your own Bible. It's also on the screen if you'd like to follow along. Luke 10, starting at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So Jesus and his disciples are traveling. They're on their way to Jerusalem, and they stop at the town of Bethany, where a woman named Martha welcomes them into her home. This is the same Martha that is mentioned in two other passages of scripture. 
And so we know from John 11 that Martha has a brother, Lazarus, who will later die, and Jesus will actually raise him from the dead. So this is Martha and Lazarus, and their sister Mary, who is mentioned here in this passage, but also in John 12. And in John 12, we see Martha welcoming Jesus and his disciples into her home again. She's serving again. And in that passage, we find Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus again as well. And this is the place where Mary poured expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. So Martha and Mary are friends with Jesus. They, this isn't just like somebody showed up in town. They know each other. And Martha is a woman of great hospitality. And my guess is that Jesus really liked going to Martha's house. When you're traveling and you're really tired and you're hungry, it's, it's amazing to find a place to rest, to be fed, to be cared for. And so I really think that Martha's home is probably a great place to be. As I was uh, studying this week, I was thinking about the people in my life who are just so gifted in hospitality and how I just love being in their home. It's just such a, a great place to be. And I think that's how it was being in Martha's house. But the reality is that there is probably at least 13 extra people in her house. If Jesus and the 12 disciples, and my guess is there's probably even more. And so just picture this a little bit. You know what your house is like. There was no text in advance saying, hey, we're going to be over at 3. I don't know how the communication went, if they knew that Jesus and his disciples are stopping by or not. But my guess is... It's kind of stressful for Martha as she's wanting to get everything ready. So I I understand Martha's stress in this story. And then there's Mary, her sister. And she is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary is also practicing hospitality. Possibly the most important aspect of hospitality, which is gracious attention to your guest. But Mary has left the other parts of hospitality to Martha alone. And not only that, Mary has stepped outside of what was culturally expected of her as a woman. And she assumes the posture of a student who is learning at the feet of a rabbi, which was a role that was traditionally reserved for men. So there's really a number of different things going on here. Martha's irritated because she's doing all the work on her own, but she probably thinks that her sister is really being inappropriate in her actions as well. So in verse 40, we see that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. The Greek word for distracted here in verse 40, has the connotation of being pulled or dragged in different directions. I think that all of us understand those feelings that Martha was had in, in different situations in our life, different times in our life. We feel pulled in different directions. And so Martha, in this state of being frustrated and angry and overwhelmed, does something really bold. She bosses Jesus. I don't know about you, but bossing Jesus just doesn't really sound like a good thing to do. 
I know that I have done it in my own life when I think about some of my prayers, and maybe you have too. And so Jesus' response to Martha is probably somewhat unexpected. I was kind of wondering what happened in the room when Mary says this to Jesus, and then is everybody looking around going, what's he going to say to that? And so then Jesus does this. Instead of agreeing with Martha's frustrations and agreeing with the traditions of the day, he instead holds up a mirror for Martha. He invites her to take a look on the inside of herself, her interior life. And he says, you're worried and upset about many things. And then he says, only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better. His response to Martha is more of an invitation than a rebuke. And I'm guessing that probably most people in the room were thinking there would be a rebuke. And this invitation is one that Jesus extends to all of us to take time to just be with him, to listen to him. I think that each one of us has Martha and Mary inside of us. This need for activity and service and also the need for simply being with Jesus. This isn't a story about Martha being wrong and Mary being right. Activity and serving is not wrong. Rather, I believe that it is to show us that being with Jesus is the one thing that is needed as the foundation for all of our activity. We might think about these two parts of us being like breathing. We must inhale and exhale. I think that that most of us connect with the activity, the doing part of us. We teach our children from an early age to do good, and throughout Scripture, we see the invitation to do good, to serve others. And so doing what Martha was doing is very tangible. It's seen. And so it's easier for us to wrap our minds around it. And so doing the exhaling, the exterior life, tends to be honored and valued more in our culture than the quiet listening and being still with Jesus. But in this scripture, we see Jesus honoring the inhaling, the contemplative, the stillness, the listening, the just being with. This practice of sitting at Jesus' feet isn't always an easy one. When we get quiet and still before God, it's really easy to get distracted. And that distraction can be really uncomfortable for us. And sometimes when we get quiet, there are things that start to come up that we like to keep down. And so we want to just get busy and doing so we don't have to deal with those things that start coming to the surface. 
And the reality is there are spiritual forces that do not want us to get quiet with God. The enemy of our souls knows that when we spend time with Jesus, we grow into who he is and to who he has created us to be. And the more we die to ourselves in this quiet place, the more power we receive to enter into our activity and our work with true fruitfulness. It's in this place that we are enabled through the Holy Spirit so that we can bring the kingdom of God on the earth. And so that the things we actually do mean something, that they have impact, that they're filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And these are things that we can kind of muster up on our own for a little bit. But then when things start to get stressful for us, that's when all of that, if we're operating on our own strength, just flies right out the window. And so it's so important that we are taking time for the one thing that is needed so that we can be empowered to live this abundant life and freedom that Jesus has invited us into. Jesus says, come, sit at my feet. So Jesus is extending this invitation to each one of us. And so what does that mean? What does that look like in our real, everyday life? Maybe your life feels a little bit like this. Many of us have responsibilities that consume a lot of our time and our our energy and our thoughts, our jobs, our children, our grandchildren, our aging parents, our gardens, our homes, our volunteer work, our neighbors, our schoolwork, our emotions. The list can go on and on and on. There will always be something more to do, always. And so as we look at being intentional about sitting at Jesus' feet, I think we need to see it not as just another thing to add to our to-do list, because we already have too much on our to-do list. What we're talking about is actually a completely different mode of existence. It's a perspective of living a life that is consciously aware of God all throughout. But in order for that to be a reality, this consciousness to God all throughout, we are going to have to slow down. We are going to have places where we are still to pay attention to what God is doing or wanting to do in our interior life. There are many practices that give attention to sitting at Jesus' feet. And I think many of them are familiar to a lot of us reading the Bible, and praying. Both of them are important. But I have a question for you. Are you able to slow down enough to really soak in the scripture that you're reading? Or when you read, is it 
read my Bible? Or do you take time to be quiet enough to listen to what Jesus wants to say to you in prayer? Or is it, I prayed for them, 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 done? We are so accustomed to doing and staying busy that we live in this fast-paced and frenzied world. The smartphone is an amazing thing, and uh, I found in my life that it helps me in many ways, but it has also ramped up my own frenzy sometimes. I read in an article by Digital Trends this week that, quote, as our dependence on mobile technology grows, so does the need for constant and instant communication with our family, our friends, and even our work colleagues. Our need, I might call it our drive or our false perception of our need, that we need to have constant and instant connection all the time with everyone. I can be reached almost all of the time. I can read email, I can look at Facebook, I can play Candy Crush, I can watch a movie on Netflix or Amazon anytime that I want because my phone is with me almost all of the time. The crazy thing is that while I was writing this exact part of this message as I was typing it, I got a text from my mom and a call from my landlord in a matter of one minute. And it's sitting right next to me as I'm typing. And I responded to both. The good news was my mom was texting me to say, I'm praying for you as you prepare for your sermon. And my landlord called to say that they're coming to put a roof on at our house tomorrow. So I was like, okay, great, both good things. But when it went off, I heard the phone go off. I was like, can I ignore it? I'm like, no, i got to see what it is. This, this like constant distraction for me. But my message is not to say that smartphones and technology are evil and must be avoided completely. Just as Jesus was not saying meal preparation and serving people should be avoided at all costs. And technology might not be your distraction. But what, it, but what is it that you are distracted by? What is it that you just can't stop doing? What is it that gets you worried and upset and distracted by many things? Jesus' invitation to us is to be intentional about setting some boundaries in those places and being aware of when we're becoming worried and upset about many things. Because it's actually in those times themselves that Jesus whispers this invitation for us to come to him, to sit with him for a while. And when we sit at the feet of Jesus, our perspective starts to change. Our priorities get realigned. About a week ago, I was at a place of feeling completely overwhelmed in life. The things that I wanted to get done were not getting done. My kids were sick. I was processing things that were feeling all-consuming and really heavy for me. 
and I was just kind of at this place of not knowing how to move forward. I was, I was feeling really worried and upset about many things. And through a sermon that I had listened to earlier in the day, and then through a phone conversation that I, I had with my sister, God highlighted something for me um, that I need to set a boundary with in my life. And I felt like God was saying to me, you need to stop checking your email so much. It seems like maybe it's a simple thing. For some of you, I know some of you don't even have email. For some of you, you maybe check it once a week. I started thinking about how much I check my email. And because it's on my phone and my phone is with me all the time, I, 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 just don't, I can't even count how many times. I mean, I, I just can check email anytime I want to. And it's a lot. And so I said, okay, I need to set up a boundary here because this is getting me worried and upset when it's like I need to pay attention to this. Oh, yeah, I need to do that. So I need to set a boundary there. Then a little later that day, I felt like God was saying to me, turn off your phone. And so I did. I turned off my phone for three hours. And for some of you, you might think, that's no big deal. For me, it was a really big deal. I was thinking in my mind, well, if I turn off my phone, like what if Jeremy or what if my kids need to get in touch with me? What if a friend just wants to ask me a simple question? Like I should at least be available kind of thing. What if something comes up at church that I need to address? Which is really a crazy thought that I would think that, that my doing, my presence is like the center that I must respond. It's such a crazy thought. But I realized that it was, that's what was actually driving me to have so much apprehension about turning off my phone. I kind of, as I, I kind of feel embarrassed about that for myself, and I feel somewhat embarrassed to say that to other people. Like, what's the big deal? Why does this have such a grip? But I started realizing that this reality happens for all of us in all kinds of ways, in all, all kinds of different things. And it's really important for us to be attentive to those things that we just can't stop doing. Because I think Jesus wants to say something to us about those things. I was also thinking about when I needed to turn off my phone that you know, in Scripture, we see Jesus t- uh, taking time. He got away from all the activity, the ministry. He got away from that and would go off by himself for a while. And sometimes the disciples would come looking for him and be like, come on, where are you, kind of stuff. And there's, there's so many Scriptures in the New Testament about Jesus pulling away. And I wondered, did Jesus ever think, if I go away... There's going to be people who need healing that I'm not going to be around for to heal. There's going to be people who need a word from me that I'm not going to be there to speak. But Jesus knew. I mean, and that, that's like really important stuff. You know, like me answering a text about like a recipe that a friend wants to know about is not really important. 
but like healing someone from uh, uh, something they've been suffering from their entire life, like that's a big deal. So I could understand the pressure that Jesus might feel. But Jesus knew that if he didn't get time to just be with the Father, and Jesus is fully human, but also fully God, and he needed this time to pull away. He needed time to just sit at the feet of the Father. He knew that it was absolutely essential for him in what God had called him to do, that he had to take this time to inhale with God. Sometimes I wonder, what did those times look like when Jesus was with the Father? We don't know. It's not, it's not, it doesn't say in Scripture what it looked like. But I think there's probably something really important for us to not know what it looked like. We're just such a people of formula. Like, okay, so this is how Jesus had his time with the Father, so that's, that's how I have to have my time. And it would just be one of those things where we just check off the list. And, yep, it did that. Had time at the feet of, of the Father. But God's so much more creative than that. He invites us into relationship with him. He's wanting us to be with him, and that looks different for each one of us. It does not look the same. Yes, we can glean from other people about things that they do that help them to sit at the feet of Jesus, but it's really an invitation into a beautiful, adventurous relationship with God. One of the things that I do, um, just to take a minute, any time throughout the day, is I pray this simple prayer. I stop, take a deep breath, get still, and I just say, I am here, and you are here, and we are here together. And then I'm just quiet. I just did that this morning. I was sitting out on my porch swing, and I, I, I usually do not get, I don't usually have nerves when I'm going to share like this, but this morning I did. And I, I, I don't know what all that was about. So I was sitting there, and I was, feel, I was feeling myself, you know, this anxious kind of feeling. So I just stopped, and I just said, Lord, I am here and you are here, and we are here together, and then I just practiced stillness with him, and there was this peace that came over me. Later, it happened again. The nerves came up for me again. So this isn't like a formula of, you know, we we get still with God and like, Everything just works out great. It stays that way forever. It's this practicing presence of staying with Jesus, sitting at his feet. Maybe we'll take a scripture and read it several times, soaking it into our hearts. I'm not talking about inductive Bible study, although there's a place for that and it's important. I'm talking about just being with Jesus to let his word just wash over you. It's in this place that we see more clearly who God is. 
and who we are. It's in this place where the Spirit can lovingly convict us of sin and offer forgiveness and redemption. It's in this place that we are healed of our woundedness. And it's in this place that we simply just get to be with Jesus and soak in his unimaginable love for us. Last week, in uh, Jeff shared this word with us as we were looking at being intentional about neighboring. The gospel differentiates us in the neighborhood, but does not remove us from it. And I believe that the same concept applies to our interior life. This sitting at the feet of Jesus does not mean that we are never engaged with people. But it does mean that we are going to live differently. And I'm telling you, in a frenzied world, there is a desperation for the gospel of peace that only comes from sitting at the feet of Jesus. I have a friend that I met um, through the elementary school, and she's a pretty high-strung person, and I, I get it why she's high-strung. Her life is really tough. And so one time we were, we were together, and she just said to me, Katrina, you, you have this peace that I just know nothing about. And I said to her, you know, I do have a peace. It's not always like this. You can just ask my husband and kids. But I do have a peace that is different because the more that I'm connected with Jesus, the more his peace fills my life. The world is so hungry for this peace. If we're going to be differentiated in our neighborhoods, at our work, in our families, if we really want to offer the good news of the kingdom of God, then the good news of the kingdom is going to have to be real for us. Our vision is to be a community that is learning to live and love like Jesus. And so taking time to sit at the feet of Jesus is essential to us, for us to step into this mission. Let us not neglect the one thing that is needed.